Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today we have Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hey. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Aaron is a friend of mine. I was trying to remember when we met. Was it in 2018? I think it was 2017. Okay. I couldn't remember, but isn't that weird to think that it's only been like five or six years? I don't know. It seems like I've known you longer, but so yeah, Aaron and I did hair together at the salon for uh, on and off until you ended up moving to Nashville. And how long have you been in Nashville? Four years, because my oldest was four when we moved, and she's eight now. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy. I have Erin on the show today because she moved and then became pregnant when she was there. And you have little little Evan, who is just adorable. When was it that you realized that there might be something different about him? Um. Let's start earlier than that. So I had, I'm going to just talk quickly about having some miscarriages um, prior to Evan being born. I had two, one before Violet and then two after her. So two in between her and Evan. And Violet was born 2014. Evan was born 2020 and I just remember begging God during all that time where I was just a mess saying I will do anything I don't even care if he's healthy or not healthy I just want another baby that's how badly I wanted to just be a mom again just something that was in me uh when I had all the ultrasounds going on while I was pregnant with him um they even told me there was going to be things that were wrong with him they said like his Um, stomach was really big. There was something wrong in his liver or just numerous things. They were constantly making me worry. And um, even up until I had him, um, they had said, you know, he's going to be in the NICU as soon as he comes out, just so you know. And so I was prepared that, you know, I was going to go in for a C-section because um, at the time, my C-section that I had previously, my My scar was very thin and it's supposed to be 10 millimeters. That's the thickness of your skin where your scar is supposed to be. And mine was a one. And so they were worried that my organs were going to puncture through my skin while I was pregnant with him. And so they took him actually four weeks early. When he came out, he was perfect. He never went to the NICU. He went straight to my arms and he stayed there the entire time. That in itself was a blessing. But as months went on, um, he constantly was just crying. And I wasn't used to that because my first one never cried. She was always happy. Nothing ever bothered her, it seemed like. Yeah, so I was constantly, I was up all night long. I was breastfeeding, but I was up like 10 times a night with him. And I was never getting any sleep, which meant I was neglecting my oldest child as well. But he, fast forward so many months, I'm still getting no sleep. My marriage is falling apart. I I read some post on Moms of Franklin, which is where I live. I live in Franklin, Tennessee. It was on Facebook. And someone had said something about their child developing slower. Who should they contact? And I thought about it. And I was like, okay, well, my son isn't quite two yet. 
but maybe I should contact somebody about him because he seemed a little bit behind. So I got in touch with Vanderbilt University. They had me come in with him and they did an evaluation. Actually, I think maybe just like two weeks prior to that, I had taken him to his pediatrician um, for his well visit, his 21 month well visit. They told me he's either deaf or he has autism, but they don't want to throw the A word around. They don't like to. And so I said, well, he's definitely not deaf because he loves music. And that's where my son would just thrive, was listening to music all day long. He would stand on his tippy toes and flap his arms, which is a characteristic of somebody with autism, actually. And um, we went in for our evaluation to Vanderbilt University, December 21st, 2021. And he was diagnosed with level three uh, severe autism. What was it that made you think that there might be something wrong? Um, he wasn't really babbling. He wasn't speaking. He wasn't looking at me. He was not responding to his name. Okay. He wasn't, yeah. How do you know, like, that it's not just that they are a late talker or, you know, like, how do they know to diagnose it as autism if, how would you even know that something is actually wrong and it's not just, you know, that they're a little bit slower developing than your firstborn? There's something that I still have to look for with him and it's eye contact. So kids with autism tend to not look at you in the eye and they've been telling me this from day one and I never understood it. And I understand it perfectly clear now because he looks at you like he's burning a hole in your soul. When he looks at you, he's looking at you like he wants you to pay attention to him. And before he would never look at anybody. He'd just look at the floor, look at the ceiling. That was one of their signs. Um, something about not being engaged. Like he would just sit on his own, do his own stuff independently, not want to play with others. There was just so much, honestly, that went into it. If other people are listening to this, that would say, oh, there's not levels. There are levels. There are three levels of autism. And the third is the most severe. However, nobody categorizes like that anymore. Same as high functioning and low functioning. If anybody walks around and says, oh, yeah, my child is a high functioning autistic child. Not necessarily how people walk around and categorize anymore either. Um, autism is autism. Autism okay. is so many other things as well, which we can get into. Yeah. And I am absolutely clueless to all of it. So you're going to have to enlighten me here. Can he go to school eventually? Just a regular school like Violet's at? He will be in the special education area. For... How does he communicate with you? So <clears throat> since then, um, there is so much. I couldn't even tell you that goes on into autism. And I mean, like, I'm just going to blow your mind here at some point, probably about yeah. who my son is and who he is as a person. And um, because we have been since he was diagnosed, we have been in speech therapy twice a week. We have been in occupational therapy, which helps out with um, gross motor skills like climbing and things like that. He still has problems with fine motor skills like using utensils. He cannot use a crayon very well or a marker to hold it. Um, he is in feeding therapy. And actually, we just quit that recently because we have not been getting anywhere. And feeding therapy actually has been one of the toughest because 
when he was a baby, he could swallow purees. I mean, it's like eating soup. I mean, it can't be that hard, right? It's like drinking milk. That's how liquefied it is. But when he started using, knowing he had to use his tongue to eat food, he couldn't figure out his tongue, which if you think about it, using your tongue for speaking and eating is like the same. You have to move it up and down and side to side. So for feeding, he would chew on his food, but he couldn't figure out how to swallow it. So he would always spit it out. So my son never ate Mm. for months and months. And um, eventually he figured out he could put his finger in his own mouth and move his food from side to side. So that's how he ate for a a while. Um, But I mean, you know, he never had to be on any feeding tubes, thankfully, anything like that. Uh, but he is a very limited, picky person. Um, things as far as like textures. Um, there's a lot of children that have sensory issues. And at first I thought it was something called sensory processing disorder, which is very similar to autism, but it's not. It's not a diagnosis. It's just, it's kind of on its way, on its way there, but not full-fledged autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be like, oh, I don't like the texture of this. Um, orange compared to the strawberry because it's not crunchy, you know, Um, things like that. So Evan has an issue with that as well. And he only likes crunchy food. So think about protein. There's not very many crunchy proteins. He will not touch a chicken nugget, you know, he will hardly touch any meat at all. So a lot of things are like veggie sticks, cauliflower stalks, things like that, that I think are disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but he prefers them you know that's that's what he his go-tos are um so but back to like the other therapies go we're also in um a therapy called aba which is applied behavior analysis and we are in it four hours a week um and the our therapist Lori, she comes into our home and she works with him at his little table kind of to get ready for school. So back to your question about like how will Evan survive going to school? These are the tools, like all the things that he's been doing since he's been diagnosed are leading him up to be able to attend um, the average preschool um, okay. or average you know, school. But we have been denied by trying to get him into daycares and things um, of that nature just because um, – there's nobody equipped. And I've been told that I was denied right on the spot by somebody down the street here saying, well, we don't have anybody who's equipped to watch a child with special needs. So we probably won't be able to enroll your child. So that's hardening because the special needs schools that are here, there's only two. There's one in the city, which is 30 minutes away. And there's one about 10 minutes from here. And they're both full. They have wait lists. And the wait lists aren't really wait lists. They're wait pools. They pick at random, like pick out of a hat, like who we want to be next. Oh yeah. So your child's name could be on that list for years and they could never get a spot. Yeah. So right now though, we've gone through all the evaluations, um, as far as getting Evan into child care, childhood, child care program. I can't even say that right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) there's so much I'm like sitting here like motor mouth right now no but there Um, is so much and I am willing to admit that I'm so naive to all of it but yet I'm sure you encounter a lot of people that are also naive to it but they don't ask questions they just make assumptions they either make assumptions or they stare at you or stare at what your child's doing um 
early on, uh, Evan used to hate going to like Target or the grocery store and he would throw his body down on the floor and lay there. And it looked like he's making like angel wings because that's how like sprawled out he had to be on the floor just to get whatever sensory feeling he needed. Um, and people would walk by and at the time he looked like a baby. And so they'd be like, oh, and they'd laugh and they'd be like, oh, that's so cute. And I'm thinking it's not going to be cute when he's 10 years old and still doing this. But there's so many people that are so ignorant and they just, it's not that they have anything to say. They just, you're right. They don't ask questions. And I even had, um, you know, some neighbors who, um, our kids were born very close in age, like three months or so apart. And, you know, they would be around each other when they were babies before the, the, the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then after he was diagnosed, it was like, where did that friend go? Almost mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, he's contagious to be right. Around. Right. That's exactly. Yes. I mean, that just killed my insides. Cause I was like, you, are you kidding me? Like ask ask me how he's doing. Ask me what's going on. No, no mother understands motherhood unless they have a child that has special needs. It is so hard. It's so Mm -hmm. exhausting. And my sister tells me all the time, I don't know how you do it. I said, you know what? We just shove the exhaustion away because you can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You just have to buck up and be the mom that you are supposed to be for that child. I mean, right. you were, you were that person's mother for a reason. So get your big girl panties on and do it. <laughs> how does Violet um, do with him or how has she handled all of this? Because whether you mean to or not, your attention has had to be solely focused on him. Yes. Yeah. And um, I feel very bad. I feel so bad as a mom because I don't give her the attention that I used to because Evan acts like he's an only child. He doesn't act like he's the youngest. He acts like he's an only child. And so when she gets in his space, he loses his mind and not in a good way. Like he has to invite somebody into his space. This is not just for her. That's for anybody, you know, like he doesn't want to feel attacked. He doesn't want to feel too overwhelmed. So don't come at him with a hug or with your arms on him. You know, like I've had just random people walk by, um, And, you know, touch his head, just like, oh, he's so cute. Don't touch my kid. He's going to lose it. And then I will have to calm him down. Um, So with Violet, she loves him. I mean, she loves him so much. And you can tell. And she just, she wants him to give her the attention like he gives me. You know, like I'm, I'm called his safe person. And I like being called that, but I don't, you know, because I wish... He would expand, expand to other people, especially her. And, you know, even when she's around her friends and we're around and they'll ask, oh, why, why can't your brother talk or this, that and the other? Um, she'll say, well, my brother has autism. And she explains it to them better than an adult could, you know. <laughs> better than it. I could. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> she is so smart. And she, she is. I'm told she will always be his biggest advocate. And most siblings are because nobody else is going to fight for them the way they do. Yeah. Well, and Aaron, you are a wonderful parent. And that was so obvious when I saw you interact with Violet when you lived here. You know, you were always making like homemade pancakes, like seriously, just doing mom things, like making the rest of us look bad, really. (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, so I'm sure it was an adjustment for Violet, but she she knows she knows that you're trying to divvy up the attention. She's a smart kid and she's so sweet. I'm yes. sure she she understands, but it's a mom guilt thing and we all oh, yeah. do it. <laughs> but I'm sure with the special needs thrown in, that makes it even doubly hard. So are there a lot of misconceptions, common misconceptions? Like you were saying, don't don't come up and touch him because every kid is different. Every kid so, is different. Autism is not one right one specific look there's so many different and when i said like um categorized there's a lot of things they call it the umbrella um, of the autism spectrum disorder which is asperger's if you've ever heard of it um, which is a um social socially um, i would i would just say it's socially awkward like just not engaging um uh, so Asperger's, ADHD um, are both under it, obviously autism. Um, I mean, there's sensory processing disorder. I mean, if you were looking at this, you know, two different kids and you said one has the, you know, autism and the other one has sensory processing disorder, you probably wouldn't be able to necessarily tell the difference. But um, lighting can be an issue for these kids, which fluorescent lighting is what it is. Um, they need to be around natural light. Something about fluorescent lighting, like if I walk Evan into a Walmart, he runs right out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so just bizarre. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but if we're home, you know, I don't know, something about warm lights versus fluorescent lights. There's such a difference. And somebody told me that early on too. They're like, if you take a child with autism into a target versus a Walmart, you will see a difference with their demeanor. And Evan, he loves Target. He's just, he'll sit in the cart and he'll <laughs> hang out. I'm thankful for that. I was going to say, I, I agree with him. I like Target <laughs> over Walmart any day. So he's a smart kid. Um, but yeah, okay. So when you were in the middle of this, he got diagnosed. Like, how did you even know where to turn? I mean, did they just start throwing all of these names at you? Like, here's, you got to get him a speech person. You have to get, you know, I mean, like, did you have any peer group at all for you to contact and just relay stories with? There, yes, I had joined different support groups, but it made you almost more sad because yeah. people were, they weren't giving, te- you know, giving out helpful tips for whatever their child was going through. But it was almost like parents were just venting, like, oh, yeah. my child hasn't been potty trained yet. And that's another subject. But, um, you know, their child isn't, you know, potty trained at nine years old yet. Like, and these women are very frustrated over it. Or a lot of people are getting divorced because their exes could not pull it together for that child or were in denial, which I had one of those. That's not what broke us, but it didn't help, you know. Oh, um, I can imagine what a stress that has to be. Yeah. Thinking, oh, he's perfectly fine. While I'm over here advocating crying all the time because I don't know what to do to help my son who's banging his head against my own head to seek out his aggression because he can't communicate, because he can't speak. And my child, he still can't speak. He's He turned three years old, March 18th, and he's not said one word in his Will he? Yeah. Do they think he will? 
Um, they don't know. Honestly, mm -hmm. I've had, um, we've had a couple different speech therapists. They both kind of give the same answer. Well, he may talk at four or five or, um, you know, he might not talk ever. So I downloaded this app. It's called TD Snap and it is kind of a knockoff from the devices that they use in his therapy, which is called a Toby Dynavox. And it's a speaking device for kids um, that can't communicate. He is a genius on this thing. I've been told by every one of his therapists that he is so smart and that he has so much information in his brain that we would have known no nothing and had no clue that he knew all this if we didn't give him this device. Wow. So it's been such a blessing and I would have never thought, oh yeah, you give your kid an iPad and they talk that way. Like, right, <laughs> it just right. seems so, so crazy, crazy of an idea. Yeah. He's been truly, um, just thriving. Honestly, he's been doing really good and it's crazy to say that because he's only three, but That's he's awesome. been doing, yeah, he's been doing really well. So when he goes to these therapies and stuff, are there certain milestones that he has to meet before they will take him at school? No, um, he just might have to work harder or um, longer at those, you know, as far as the fine motor skills and being able to use, you know, a pencil or things like that. Um, so he, he tries. You can tell he so badly tries to speak. Like when I say, tell mommy help, like he uses some sign language also, not much, um, because he does kind of rely on his, what we call talker um, to speak. But when I say, tell mommy, you know, help you, he'll go ah, for help. So it's nothing like anybody would ever know, but because I'm his mother, I know right. what he's saying. You know, it almost sounds like he's just taking a drink of water and like, ah. yeah, <laughs> but that's right. his sign for help, you know, like, yeah. I would think that you guys would have your own special <laughs> language. language together <laughs> and yeah, because you know, him better than anybody else. Does that make you scared for him to go off to school? Yes, absolutely. But I do feel they have his best interests in mind. I feel like at any point, if he's struggling, I hope they would call or say he is not having a good time today or, you know, not having it. But going to school initially for right now, um, he will only go three hours a day, four days a week. So it's not like eight hours, five days a week. Right. Um, you know, just wearing him out. And right now, like I said, he does his ABA therapy four hours a week. So it's kind of like he's getting a taste of it. And his therapist says, says that he loves to learn. You can tell he loves learning new things. Yeah. I mean, if anybody wants or has any questions after this, I'd love to, you know, send videos to show what he actually does with his talker because it is really amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. I'd want to see it. So what does he play with at, besides that? What does he <laughs> like to play with for toys and stuff? What's, what's his interest? That's another thing too. That was another sign because he never played with toys. Never. He does not like toys. Like what does he, he do? He thrives on video games. <laughs> <laughs> which oh again he was doing this before he was two years old on on my phone going crazy doing things that I couldn't even do and <laughs> I'm like how is my toddler doing this and now I mean he's excelling like crazy with it um 
but you know, he doesn't like touching things that are messy. So he's not like, Oh, let me play with Play-Doh or slime or things like that. That's not his thing. Yeah. If I were to say anything about what he's into right now is telling me the colors, you know, he wants to tell me the colors that he sees. So he'll get the blocks out and he goes to his talker and he says purple. And then he gets his purple block out, says blue, gets his blue block out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, things like that, you know, but he's not, you know, we, they call them atypical. He's not your atypical child. Um, normal is not the word to use. So if anybody's going to say that, that is taboo. I was struggling earlier in the question. Different and that's is better. Different. Yes. Yeah. Cause I was like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't ever want to offend. I mean, I have a sister in a wheelchair and that you don't realize how dumb people are until you are with somebody that has special needs or, you know, and it just seems so um, common sense when you're around it all the time. So, I mean, you do have to give people a little bit of grace because there's some people that just absolutely have never been around anybody that is disabled or, you know, in any capacity. Right. But at the same time, you know, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Like I said, I don't know a lot about it. So I just wanted to ask questions. (laughs) So I am a little bit more educated about it because when you're not around it, you don't want to be that person that says or does the wrong thing. Yeah. And that's the, I guess the community, you know, like you're, even as a hairstylist, for example, you, the company that's around you, your clients are like minded of you, you know, it's kind of the same thing right now in my life per se, you, I would be around the same people, the same people that I have, you know, commonalities with beings that I have an autistic child. Those are the people that I've been gravitating towards. Right. Um, or they gravitate towards me and I don't even realize it until I'm like five minutes into our conversation that, oh, you have a special needs child too. Like, it's almost like God sends them to you. Like there's one woman who, um, she has adopted, uh, three kids. She's never been pregnant on her own. I don't know if she's ever even tried, but her first two children have learning disabilities and have autism. And I really, have a good relationship with her. So yes, not only does my daughter get to hang out with her daughter who is atypical because the youngest does not have any type of special needs, but also I get to learn from her and, you know, her older children are in their twenties now. So I get to really learn about, Oh, you know, what's going to happen down the road for me. Yeah. It's really a thing about surrounding yourself with those type of individuals or other parents that know what you're going through Um, But it is hard because a lot of times people just want to like complain, you know, like I said about the support groups and those were not, I just, you know, ended up deleting myself off there because I was like, I don't want to read this. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about God, your faith in God. Do you think that that is what's gotten you through this? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And if I did not have it, I don't know where I would be, honestly. I mean... Like I said, you know, when I prayed for a second child, I did not care how they came, what form, whatever. If they had any issues, I was taking them, you know, and that was my prayer. This is what God gave me. And I keep having to remind myself, he gave me Evan because he knew I could handle that. He knew I could be that person for him. And he knows Evan needs somebody who's going to be that rock for him. Even though it's a struggle and sometimes I cry, I've, I have put myself in the closet sometimes and cried or in the bathroom. Um, and while he's crying, I mean, 
sometimes you just need to. Even the atypical mother would do that, you know, yes. because they need to get away from their kid that's driving them crazy. Yes. I mean, even though he can't talk, he still you know gets under my skin sometimes <laughs> oh sure they all do that and they never outgrow that either hopefully my mm-hmm. kids are listening you <laughs> <laughs> uh, know what you said was beautiful and I agree I think God knew what he was doing when he gave you Evan gave Evan you know you I hope that now it's getting to be where the good days outweigh the, the oh, bad absolutely absolutely I mean yeah. it's very few there, we used to have tantrums and meltdowns. That's what I would call them because I could easily tell the difference. We never really have meltdowns anymore. And it was probably a product of living in a house of negativity with, uh, you know, the divorce going on and him feeling all that energy. He, I mean, autistic kids, they, um, they're so sensitive that, I mean, they're just feeling it all, feeling anything you're giving out. So if you're frustrated they are frustrated. If you're screaming, they're going to scream right back. And all he did towards the end of our, you know, us living in that house, all he did was cry and he couldn't wait to get out of the house. He'd go to the front door as soon as he woke up ready to leave. And he's just so different now. And I couldn't be more thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm happy for you that you're not living under those same conditions anymore either. That's, yeah, it's only going to make everything better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to kind of keep up with you and see how he's progressing, um, or do you do a lot of social media? Do you post much about it on social media? I do. I feel like my Instagram is mostly about autism, um, or I integrate it, you know, into my life quite a bit as far as what it's like dealing with a child with autism in our, in our life, you know, because Violet is atypical and see how it looks on both sides and what our day-to-day activities look like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love for anybody to reach out if they have questions. I even had, um, a friend of mine from a salon that I worked at here years ago, um, reach out to me and she asked me questions because she saw similarities in her son after reading things about mine. And if I can just help somebody else get their, child in the right door, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as getting help and all the therapies they need early on, because early intervention is the best for these children. And if nobody is there to advocate for them, they can't do it themselves, you know? So, um, I would love to help anybody, anybody who has any questions. So what is your Instagram? (laughs) Happy moon underscore mom underscore. (laughs) And I'll put that in the show notes too. So if anybody wants to um, look there, then they'll know how to reach you. But you definitely opened my eyes. I really didn't know exactly. I just knew that you were dealt a really difficult hand, but you always seem to um, find the positive. You've always been that way. So I admire admire that about you, Erin. I do very much. You are a very strong, um, courageous person. And I, I look up to you for that for sure. Thank you. You are welcome. Well, okay. I guess that's all. We got a lot covered. So um, yeah, people I feel like to... I could even talk about more. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just because I have so much information, but I feel like I hit on the major points. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the, all my questions that I could think of you answered. So we can definitely do a part two if there's anything else or if people reach out to me and say they would like to be you know, more informed, we can definitely have you back and talk about that. 
Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Erin. I appreciate you being on the show. Yes, absolutely. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.